0: It's kind of sad. That is not the saddest thing about you. No, it's actually And that's why I'm so sad. I know there's more sad things about me.
1: Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 134 of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, the lieutenant of lip balm, the head honcho of hydration, the captain of cobblestone walkways, the
0: one and only Dr. Kirby Hossman Kirby, how the hell are you? You know what, I'm doing fantastic, and I, as always, always appreciate, this is actually one of my favorite uh, pieces of content that we do, and it's one of my favorite, you know, times of the week when we get to together and chat, so uh, how the hell
1: are you? I'm doing great, it's good to be here in Las Vegas, this is uh, being recorded live in front of our education session at PPAI Expo, I'm from about, looks to be about seven, eight hundred people, so yeah, it exciting <laughs> to be <here>.
0: Yeah,
1: so... <laughs> Really exciting, but you know what else excites me, Kirby? What's that, Bill? That'd be the good people at Skew. I know you're familiar with them. I think we all are. So one of the benefits of Skew, we talk a lot about their collaboration tool and all that, but really what they one of the things they want to stress is the access to their amazing and I mean amazing it's easy to say it but I can I mean it when I say it they're amazing suppliers that connected workflow gives every distributor the opportunity to engage with suppliers from the very start right at the ideation phase right all the way through the product to find project to find the right products for your end user client
0: yeah I would say that their collaborate feature is really really powerful it's one of those things where so many times we have to come up with ideas in a vacuum and by being able to hit that collaborate button tell the The partner suppliers that are in hey this is what I'm working on, here's the budget and then hit that button and then all of a sudden you just get inundated with different ideas and so often they're way different than what I would have come up with. Absolutely, and so if you're interested in learning more about
1: CommonSkew, and gosh darn it, why wouldn't you be, go to Skew.com. you won't be sorry that you did. Now, we did mention Kirby, we're in Las Vegas this week, so we're going to do a little bit different, unscripted. I'm a little, I'm a little worried. worried but you should be. So we've asked our vast audience, and it looks like it's going by another 300, I think we just hit 1,000. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for them to come up with topics, so both of us are now going to be blindsided. Yes. So just- at this point... If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, just raise your hand and we'll call on you. Someone, please. (laughs) Thank you. Go ahead.
2: So a big thing that's concerning our industry is tariffs. Um, How are you guys going to change your business model to adopt and thrive in that new, new era?
0: Kirby, do you want to take that since from a distributor perspective? Sure. So, yeah, this is, it's a scary time, right? Like, uh, and, uh, we had a conversation recently about catalogs that were going out that didn't have pricing in them because people are just so freaked out by it. So, you know, I don't know that there's a, a playbook for me, but I think that, and honestly, Bill is, it really helped open my eyes to this. I started a conversation, through content and through actual just conversations face to face with clients months ago to say that this is something that's coming. This isn't a political thing. It's just a reality and so um, this is something to that is just coming down the pike and so for me it was really a a big communication piece Um, now how I'm gonna deal with it down the road as things go sideways this way or that I'm not sure I have a plan in place for that it's just over communicating I think that's that's sort of what I'm thinking. Yeah
1: and just to repeat in case it didn't pick up on the microphone Mm -hmm. uh, the question was how are we looking at how are we planning for tariffs basically Um, as a business services provider You know, like Kirby, it's it's education, and and it's it's so we sell a lot of advertising. So we know that if tariffs go up, that advertising money is going to go down. And so we are, like Kirby, it's something I'm very passionate about. If there's something, I always look for opportunities to have conversations with my clients. There's nothing worse than a salesperson who calls and says, "Hey, I just want to see how things are going," because that's just lazy. And, and I don't like that. But that is a purpose to actually talk to your client and not sell them something. Hey, I'm sure you're aware of the tariffs, but one of the things we're concerned about is how it's going to affect pricing in our industry. And I want to share that with you. I care enough to share that with you. It's not great news, but it's something you need to plan for as you're looking at your marketing budget. I think it really, uh, I think it really just brings you closer to your client. You know, we always talk about uh, trying to tangle, tangle with your client a little bit and get weave woven in. I think that helps.
0: Yeah, it it really is. It's funny. It's one of those things where I think in a lot of relationships, we avoid the hard conversations and the reality of it is in any relationship, whether it's, uh, you know, spouse or anything taking on those difficult conversations in a hopefully productive way, it actually makes you stand out. So that's the, that's sort of my, It, it really does. Someone else have a topic.
2: Gosh. I basically stole my thunder on that one. <laughs> okay. i on that one. So 10 years ago before the recession, I had a retail store and I sold about 70% of American-made products. It was really kind of not something that was happening back then. It okay. was hard to find, it was hard to source, and a lot of them were local. So about five years ago, I came into the promo product brand merchandise industry solely. I kind of been dabbled in it for years, and I was always conflicted because I came from selling basically all American, kind of an all-American general store concept mm-hmm. to selling a lot of cheap classic blank from China. And so, for me, I'm conflicted now, knowing that my pocketbook is fairly is 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 right now on the cutting board of actually getting impacted. My livelihood is right. by the conversion of the tariff threat. Um, so, for my question is, I think a lot of the intention would be on a larger level, whether I agree with the politics of it or not, is that it would inspired provide some opportunity for more domestic manufacturing here in the United States. So, my question to you guys is, are we even seeing any uptake in actual manufacturing? Returning back to investigator, y'all foresee that indicators, is there any data yet at all in this early I, phase yeah. to suggest that that's actually gonna do what maybe the
1: intention? I, I have not seen that. Um, and, and here's my concern. Um, we talk about and, and we all love the idea of job manufacturing, jobs coming back to America. The reality is not a lot of people want those jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's hard finding a skilled labor force. Let's say even let's look at apparel. We don't even have good cut and sew capabilities in this country anymore. So I think it's unfortunately with the way the economy is, it's a global economy. We're all relying on everybody. We're all relying on everybody else. I think if the tariffs do stick, it's just it's kind of a like it or lump it. I mean, you don't have much of a choice, unfortunately. I don't think there's going to be. There are going to be some USA-made manufactured products. Don't get me wrong. There's always going to be that. But is there going to be enough to keep up with the demand because it's now more cost-effective to use the U.S.-made merchandise? No, I don't think so. You may have a different view.
0: Yeah, so I I think that I I pretty much would echo what Bill said. I think that the the people who are already uh, manufacturing in the United States are going to have, I have a feeling they're going to do well over the next couple of years. That would be my prediction. Um, Just essentially being able to jump in. To fill that void of things, I would also say, I heard uh, John, Jonathan Isaacson from Gemline. Yeah. He addressed this one time, um, where he was talking about um, whether jobs come back for manufacturing to the United States. He said, he said, you know, how many of you in your life have a a child, a grandchild, an aunt, or some sort of kid that you actually have fond feelings for. And, he, and, you know, most people raised that, the hand in the crowd, and then they said, how many of you want them working uh, in a sewing factory? Yeah. And it was one of those aha moments for me. I was like, oh, maybe, like, there are things I think it does make sense for, for Made in the USA, but then there are stuff that I think that it probably, that that uh, cat is out of the bag. Yeah. So that would be my take, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Cool. Anyone,
1: yes, back there.
2: So shout out to the sponsor of Mountain Skew. Uh, but, <laughs> At SKUCon yesterday, there were some talks about uh, hyperlocal uh, manufacturing, including 3D printing and how that could eventually um, change the industry as we know it. Uh, what do you guys see in the, in the way of uh, mass 3D printing and how that could affect domestic production? Jump, so so yeah jump
0: on this one just because I was there. Yeah, so the
1: question is, um, how do we see the mass production of 3D printing impacting our industry?
0: So, so Eric Grenada spent a, a fair amount of time yesterday at SKUCon talking about future trends in technology and how it's going to shape the industry. One of the things he talked about was 3D printing and local, sort of making it hyper-local manufacturing, so some of the things that we can produce. Um, by the way, that was a super interesting presentation. I liked it a lot. What I would say is I was... Super fascinated by it, but I think part of his presentation, at least my take on it, was that it's, these are things that will be down the road. Like, so I could see it being one of those trends in 10 years. I don't see it happening in the next 6 to 12 months. Yeah, since I wasn't at SKUCon yesterday, which crushed my <laughs> Billy soul, um,
1: I, I don't think I can speak real in-depth on this. My thought was, I remember when 3D printing came out like four or five years ago. When I first, at least I first became aware of it, and I thought, man, in three years, I think it might just kill the industry, at least a portion of it. I mean, I was that worried about it. But for whatever reason, the technology has not gotten cheaper. It's not gotten faster as much as people want to use it yet. I, I kind of agree with Kirby. I do see it, it, it being... Pretty negatively impacting our industry once it does become cost effective for people to have those machines.
0: Now, see, the, the thing I would say on that though is I don't know that I think it will be that big of a negative effect on our industry. I think it will just change the industry. I think that that again, it's, it's, a, like, it's hard to say. Yeah, from my perspective though, it's a little bit like saying a local screen printer is going to screw up the industry. I think it's just going to be done at a more local level. Uh, I would
1: disagree. Okay, because if you have if you have a small company that I don't know small end-user let's say ten million dollar end-user that's their overall revenue maybe they can afford a $1,000 3d printing machine if they're only handing out targeted things to people mm-hmm. and they don't want I mean I, I do I, I think you're I think I'm probably a little more panicky about it mm-hmm. but I think I think you need to wake up
0: <laughs> <laughs> almost always so yes okay cool
1: Sammy Hagar so, great question. Uh, I'm so glad you asked. So, so, so
0: the question was go ahead. David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar in that hair band that was Van Halen?
1: A couple things. Um, Van Halen was not a hair band, and I am not going to stand here idly by and let you sully their reputation. <laughs> they were not White Snake. Boop. They were not White Lion. They were not Great White. They were not any of those white bands from the late 80s. Um, so, the, good, good question. I'm kind of lead singer agnostic when it comes to Van Halen, to be honest with you. They're, they're two different bands. Uh, the band with Roth is more fun, and I do kind of gravitate more toward that. That music's aged better. Unfortunately, when, when Sammy Hagar joined the band in 1985, you can smell it um, before you even put it on the CD player because it, you got electronic drums and a lot of really bad Casio synthesizers. Um, but I, I I just love the band. I mean, it, you know, I'm a big music guy, music moves me, and that I've seen Van Halen 24 times in my lifetime. Um,
0: it's kind of sad. <laughs> um, that is not the saddest thing about you. No, no it's <laughs> actually, and that's why I'm so sad. I know there's more sad things
1: about me. Um, no
2: one could be worse, you'd be a deadhead like me. Uh, yeah,
1: see, see, but see, that's mu- Grateful Dead's music that's never moved me. I don't get it. Yeah.
2: We'll have to take this off on. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, right, yeah right, right, right. Right, right. Okay, yes. With uh, strategic foresight and
0: planning that was talked about yesterday at, um, at Paul's conference there, we see more distributors joining together, and more suppliers were you know buying mm-hmm. each other up. Just you know, got another email today with and mm-hmm. handstands. What do you see down the road? Are we
1: going to come to a show and there's going to be six suppliers?
0: That's a, no, This is a great topic. Yeah, that's right. Really so, topic. so the
1: question is, just kind of all of us getting our strategic foresight uh, magic eight ball out. Right. With all the mergers and acquisitions on both the supplier side and the distributor side, what does the industry look like in a few years? Uh, I do have an opinion on that. Do you want me to go? Go for it. I, I think it can go a couple different directions. The one that makes the most sense to me uh, its kind of unfortunately I fear that it's going to mirror where our country is. Uh, there's the haves and the haves nots and there's very little middle class any longer. Um, it's, it's very difficult, right? I mean we, we, I mean, we hear the statistics that, you know, the millennials are the first generation to do worse than their parents. Um, I worry, my biggest concern with all the mergers and acquisitions is that you're going to have big suppliers that have every possible product, you know, across the spectrum and say, we are only going to sell to distributor X because they're huge and we can just partner up because i mean if you look at it from a supplier standpoint one of the biggest friction points in their entire model is the distributor they depend on distributors to show their product and and that's who knows if they're showing the product and then you're relying on the distributor to explain how the product works or why it's awesome or why i should buy this one as opposed to that one so there's a, there's a lot of disconnect just inherent in in the way the the industry is set up that way and so I do see where I could see where for example a PCNA says we are only going to deal with halo geiger and brand X whatever and if you want if you know someone else wants to deal with them you know a small distributor you would not have that opportunity that's a concern of mine I still think you're gonna have a big trade show um, like this, and, and big You know, there's still people entering the space. I've been hit up by three people today, suppliers who want to get in this industry. This is the first time they're at the show, so you're still seeing people with new ideas and new products. But I do think I do, my biggest concern is it's going to be these big giant buying groups just buying from here and here.
0: So I yeah, and, and I don't know that you're wrong, but I think that as a rule, you'll find that Bill and I have a little bit of a different look at this. Is that? I think you are a little bit more uh, panicky in situations like this. And I wouldn't say panicky. I'd say realistic. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> that's what all negative people say. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> but
1: I'm not. Po- I'm not negative. I'm positive. I'm positive. You're a moron. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you're probably right. No, uh, but on. anyway, uh, I, I kind of have viewed for the last, and I've been saying this probably for the last year. I believe we're moving toward a place where. Um, you're going to have price competitive distributors and agency model distributors, and I, like the the, the ad, mergers and acquisitions that I don't see that, and not not that it wouldn't affect me because it, it could, but I think that my I'm not trying to compete with. Uh, for imprint or the, the online models because I can't I can't beat them in that space So at one point I had a I had a retail shop and it was a candy store, right? And so it, it, literally I was like we won't sell Hershey's Kisses because we can't beat Walmart on the price So this is a stupid game to play. Well, I kind of feel the same way in our industry It's it's about finding your lane where you can provide the most value and so for us It's about adding services whether it's video or social and stuff like that. So so for me I don't see I think they'll will continue to be the industry is getting bigger as you were talking more and more people entering. And so I kind of view it as one of those <coughs> things that yeah it's it's interesting fodder but I don't think it I'm well, not that concerned
1: with that. I actually do agree with
0: you on that. And okay. I think we both have
1: said that for years. I think you know when when as the middle class of distributors is kind of starting to get squeezed out, the ones that will thrive are the ones that have they, they sell promotional products but they also have video services or they create content marketing for people or they do branding they, they do logos whatever it's it's kind of a part of a suite of services um, so I do absolutely agree with that but I do I do think there's gonna be there's gonna be you look pcNA right now they could go direct if they want to yeah I, they're I, ready
0: yeah I actually think that that's it, and again, of the predictions I've hear, heard you make, that's more of a concern to me than them only dealing with Well, one.
1: and that's why I keep just making stupid predictions, because one <laughs> of them's going to come true. <laughs> right.
0: Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Any other topics? Yes. Uh, right there in the back. Yes, sir. Uh,
1: do you have any suggestions on uh, working in the cannabis industry? Do we have any suggestions working in the cannabis industry? Um, no. <laughs> 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 no. I, Here's the thing, I don't again, this is where you're just vulnerable and transparent. I have never even tried weed. I haven't. Not because of some big moral stance. I don't know anything about it. It just never interested me. It just wasn't my thing. I don't like even the feeling of being out of control. But you're asking a question about business. I wouldn't even know where to start. I think I think it's becoming more accepted, so I wouldn't worry about I, Yeah, I wouldn't, worry, yeah, about I wouldn't about it. worry about it. I mean I, I elaborate on your question a little bit. Help me out.
2: Um, I'm having trouble getting to the person that makes the decisions of
1: buying. Okay. So you're having trouble getting to the decision maker. Right,
2: but at the same time, I feel like it's different than a typical business because it's like people that aren't um, uh, as like well-versed in like our industry and
1: like yeah. no
0: people like us. Well, I, I think, go ahead, please. Yeah, so I, I mean, from my perspective, I totally understand where you're coming from in the sense that it, each industry each individual industry is going to be different but i think some tactics that would be consistent in any industry probably still make sense yeah i, I think right?
1: any anytime you get kind of blocked by a gatekeeper you can't get the you know what, what do you do in a normal business just yeah. because they happen to sell something that is i guess controversial i don't look at it as controversial but some people might i don't think it's i don't see how it would be radically different yeah. so when when people don't are not if you're not getting it to the decision-maker, you're not sharing enough value, you're not sharing why they would want to spend
0: time with you, yeah. in my opinion. And it feels like feels like brownies yeah. would be good to drop off. Just a thought.
2: <laughs> 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 you guys went in the PPAI award a couple years ago, yeah. you guys have gotten to 2,300 followers. What's the next goal for Unscripted, and where do you see it in the future?
1: Um, That's so it's a great, great question. It's a great question. Oh, yeah. So where do we see Unscripted going in the future? Kirby and I have not talked about this, so I'll probably you know we, we touched on it. Um, I don't know how much longer it's going to go. Um, I, I'm not married to things that it has to live forever. Um, I think we've always decided when it's not fun for us to do, we'll stop doing it. Um, but I definitely want to stop doing it before someone tells us we need to stop doing it. Um, <laughs> I don't really have any ego. I'd like to see. I'd like to see it grow. I'd like to see you know more revenue from it. Quite frankly, um, but right now I'm having fun doing it. I, I, I get. Here's the thing. I get to hang out with one of my closest friends, someone I, I dearly respect, even though I give him a hard time. And I get to have a set phone call with him once a week and we get to our phone call a set time where we chat and we talk maybe for five minutes before the podcast and five minutes after. And it's truly one of the happiest times of my week. It's scheduled. It's there. It's Thursday morning at eight o'clock Eastern or Central Time. And it's just it's still fun. So I don't I don't have any lofty visions of people outside the industry listening to it. I'd say for me, podcasting goals. I'd like to develop new podcasts. Um, I developed a new one last year that I really liked the idea of, but it just didn't work. I, I hated doing it. It was called. The, the closet of shame. And the idea behind it is when I was a distributor, I would go into large companies and I'd say, where's your closet of shame? And they'd look at me and I'm like, where's the misprinted promo? Where do you hide it? And it was kind of an icebreaker. And so I wanted to tell stories on the podcast of how things went wrong and how you saved the client, or maybe you didn't save the client, but it felt like it was the same story over and over again, regardless of the product. So I, I still like the idea, it just didn't execute. So I'd like to, I'd like to figure
0: out new podcasts. And so I think my answer would be world domination would be. Uh, <laughs> Thank you <for> the Yeah. <laughs> and so, no, I, I, I'd like to continue to grow. I actually, I've been thinking about this. It's funny, on the way out here, I was uh, thinking about, I want to get to a point where we really relook at the topics that are, controversial in our industry. I think we have done that and then, you know, again, I think both Bill and I have our uh, people pleaser gene. So we're like, "Uh, I don't know if, you know, there are times where you don't want to take on a topic because it's going to piss off half the industry. I actually would like to see us start pissing off half the industry industry again. (laughs) No, (laughs) I I agree. I think
1: we need to get back to our roots, and and you talk about world domination. Kirby, you know who else is dominating the world? Who's Who's that, Bill? Oh, good. I'm glad you asked. That's a good people at (laughs) Vault Promotions. You know, a lot of distributors stay away from selling badges. you know why? Why, Why, Bill? Because it sucks. Okay. (laughs) That's why. They make me crazy. (laughs) Yeah, they make you crazy. So, you know, you, you have to order one at a time, it's, it's a pain in the, in, in the behind. But what Vault's done, they've created a badge release program, and uh, they, they don't sell badges, they sell the fulfillment program that go with it. So they uh, allow the clients to purchase all the badges at one time, they use combined quantity pricing, and then they release them, like I said, one or two at a time. They build a website for your client to do it themselves. So does it get any better than that, Kirby? It does not get any better It than that. does get better than that, though! <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't that hard of a question. <laughs> yeah, um, no, but they, they are, uh, they, they really do a great job with this badge release program. They make it so easy because I think when I was a sugar, I know I was always avoided selling badges because it was such a pain. Right. They're personalized and all that, but you give, basically they build a website for the end user, they handle it all themselves. So if you're interested in learning more, if you're here in Vegas, we'll go ahead and tell you they're at booth 2674. <laughs> And, oh, people are pregnant. that down. That's going to make Josh Robbins so happy. That is going to make um, his pants very but if happy. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, and But if you are not here in Las Vegas or don't have time to stop by his booth, go to badgesmakemecrazy.com. Learn more about their badge release program. Kirby, are they going to be sorry that they did? They will not be sorry they did. Good. Did you prepare any fill-in-the-blanks?
0: Um, I did not. Okay.
1: So mm-hmm. Actually, I have some down there. We grab Do you want to grab them? Yeah. I'll sure start, though. Go for it. So, Kirby... This is a post Vegas themed edition of Film the Blank. The first thought you have when the plane takes off from Vegas after PPAI Expo is
0: I need to detox. <laughs> I need to detox. I need to rest. I need water. I need hydration. Um, yeah, you know, I think for me, right at the week after Vegas is just like the recovery week. It's about trying to. Trying to get back into routines, trying to get some level of exercise that is not walking in dress shoes, and hydration, hydration, hydration. Good answer. Okay. Um, Your favorite game to play in Vegas is? Uh, Avoid people. (laughs) Um, No, I'm kidding. Um,
1: I'm not a gambler. Um, The only game I like is uh, craps. Okay. And I'm too cheap to go throw down 400 bucks and watch it disappear in a minute. Yeah. Um, I, I wish it, I wish O'Shea's down the street was still open because they had two dollar craps and it was awesome. And I get the same high playing two dollar craps as I do twenty dollar craps. Yeah, so if I was going to gamble away unscripted's money, it would be on uh, craps. Kirby Blank is the approximate extra pounds of weight you will gain this week at Expo. <laughs>
0: That's a good one. Um, I would say five. I, because the reality of it is, though the eating and drinking is excessive and terrible, I'm, I'm moving a lot, right? Like the, the, the yeah. each day I'm always fascinated. It's like the, the one game I play is looking at my step tracker at the end of the day and yeah. see how many I've actually gotten in. So I I'll probably gained a little bit just because I've lost routine and I, my habits are crappy, but that's about it. Good answer. Okay, okay. got another one? The show. That you either would like to see or loved seeing while you were in Vegas is Lady Gaga. Man, I'd love to see that show. Nice. Yeah,
1: I, you know, like I said, I'm a huge music fan, all genres. I think she's a terrific performer and super talented, and I'd love to see her. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, Kirby. It will be. Oh, you already answered that one. Let's skip that. Um, Yeah. I'll do one more. Okay. The one thing you only see at Expo that you wish you could see more often is blank.
0: The people, actually, I I talk about it all the time. That that this feels like an annual like class reunion every year. It's it literally. I I, it's so fun for me. Last year, uh, one my designer Josh came with me, and it was like he's like you can't even get through any place because you're saying hi to everybody, and it's like that is really well, one the reasons that I come, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, a, like I actually don't really enjoy walking the big trade show floor. I enjoy networking and I enjoy the education, so. Do
1: you have one more or no? I do not. Okay, so Kirby, I've got some rapid fire questions for you. <laughs> okay. This is very easy. I'm okay. gonna give you one choice. Yes. I'm gonna give you two choices, you just pick one, that's so it. are you giving me one or two? No, I'm giving you two choices, you pick <laughs> one of them, that's it, okay. and this is a Las Vegas pricing edition. Okay. Kirby, a $22 taxi from the airport or a $16 Uber from the airport? Uber. Grease the person at the check-in for $20, with $20 for a free room upgrade or keep the $20 and take the run of the house room? Uh, keep, keep the 20, 20 bucks. $5 soda or $5 water? <laughs> <laughs> $5 water. $12 sad ham and cheese sandwich or $12 uh, large soggy french fries? French fries. Uh, Eight dollar lip balm or the free lip balm on your lanyard. Well, definitely the free lip balm. <laughs> uh, ten dollar Bud Light or a ten dollar Miller Light. Well,
0: ten dollar Miller Light for sure. The Bud Light is one. Hundred dollars
1: playing craps or hundred dollars playing blackjack. Hundred dollars on blackjack. Twenty five dollars on Star Wars slots or twenty five dollars on Playboy slots. <laughs>
0: uh, neither.
1: Kirby. Again, I'm giving you two choices. You pick one. It's not that hard. That's why I went over the rules. All right, so Star Trek. Okay. Um, uh, Last one. $1,000 on red or $1,000 on black? I'll go red. Absolutely wrong. It was double zero green, Kirby. Um... So that'll do it for this very fun uh, edition of Unscripted. And we want to thank our sponsor, CommonSkew. Again, if you're interested in learning more about the services they provide to distributors, they're a great group of people. And, and my favorite thing about them is, honestly, they're, they're great people that care. They care about your success. So go over to CommonSkew.com. You won't be sorry you did. And with that, I think we say goodbye. Yeah.
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much.